This is an ultimate global podcast. Hello, and welcome to our Daily Dose podcast, covering all about day-to-day global affairs. You're listening to Saurabh Kora and George Mavros from Sydney. Hello and a very good evening to Wednesday's Daily Dose on Global Economy, Business and Technology. Wherever you are joining us from Sydney, India, Pakistan and you know different countries of Africa as we want to hear people from across the world and we want to discuss about those global topics on this platform so that we can become your voice and we can reach out to the world to raise your voices, to raise those issues which matter you a lot on a day-to-day basis. One of those key issues is definitely for the businesses or those budding entrepreneurs who want to begin something of their own but are struggling or are stuck somewhere. So we thought of discussing this in today's segment to discuss about various challenges that the startups face in today's era, especially after the COVID-19 pandemic hit the world. But now we are getting some good news that uh, this pandemic uh, might get over, but its effects will still stay for some time in the near future. To discuss about this topic, uh, we have got Shayan Yar, who is currently studying at UNSW. He's studying Masters of Commerce at UNSW Sydney. He has recently started something of his own called Startup with Shayan, in which he wants to guide various startups around the world as to what they can do and what they can't do at the beginning so that you know, we can address their challenges in the right manner. So we have collaborated with Startup with Shayan. Do show him all kinds of, you know, following. And, and I know that he's going to really do an incredible job because he's already been running his own startup back in Pakistan. So to start off with this conversation, Shayan, I would lo- love to know your initial comments on this topic of the challenges faced by startups. What do you feel are the top challenges that the startups face in today's era? Okay, so um, I'm going to mainly focus on people who are just starting or looking to start now um, because they have been mostly the people that have been reaching out to me until now um, since I've made this announcement. So I'm going to talk more about them. Um, so one of the common themes that have emerged from the conversations that we have had from with, with a few people now is the fear um, that is holding them back. And if you look at the LinkedIn posts that I keep posting um, regularly, um, I think it was a couple of weeks back when I had really not announced this uh, Started With Cheyenne initiative. Um, and I talked about this fear. I, I was feeling it as well um, because I'm going to graduate this term. Um, I was looking for different jobs and I was applying for different positions in different companies. And um, my mentor talked to me and she asked me this question. Why are you holding back? Like, I, I see a great entrepreneur in you. Um, I see that you're ready. You have so many ideas that you have worked on and um, you have really intricate plans. So it's not just um, like you have an idea and you don't have the execution plan, you have the plans as well. So why are you holding them back? What is it? Talk to me. And that kind of jolted me. And I said, look, I'm going to be honest with you. It's just the fear. 
and I I put that in the post as well. And it was amazing to see that it's not just me. It's so many other people who are facing that fear. So this can be fear of um, like, what if I start and fail? This can be fear of, okay, I'm not the first one or the only one thinking about this. This can be the fear of um, what if I'm, I'm wrong and I end up losing all my money um, or so many other fears. So these three fears that I have majorly mentioned, I would try to address them one by one. Um, first of all, the, the fear that you are facing in, in starting something of your own, try to look at it as something that would become such a huge thing that it would become your identity and your fear should be replaced by an excitement. Um, and if you need help, there are so many resources. You can always reach out to me and I can help you do that. Um, so necessarily you have to replace that fear with excitement and you can do so with planning and support that you get. Um, the second thing is the fear of losing everything on the hard-earned money. And that's a very real fear. But I would ask this, why do you plan to put all your money in your startup? That's not a good way to start. Um, you should start small, you should preserve your money, or better better still, you, you should be able to get some investment if you have a good plan and you start to put your um, eggs in a row. So you should be able to get raise investments, um, and that should not cost you a lot of money. Um, so there goes that fear. And look, um, we are brought up in a culture where mistakes are not really um, encouraged, and we are told every way to avoid making mistakes. But I would say mistakes are the things that give us experience. We are everything because of our mistakes. Because if a child is fearful of making mistakes, they would never um, learn to speak. They would never learn to walk. It is because of the mistakes made um, that they are able to do so. And therefore, don't be afraid of mistakes. I know it's in our conditioning. But um, again, as I said, um, we have to give up that fear. Absolutely, Shan. And since you're talking about overcoming fears, you know, let's look at one by one, what can be the fears at different stages once you're thinking of opening your own venture? To begin with, a lot of people I know have this fear that what happens if I invest $2,000 today and those $2,000 are wasted? So there is a fear of losing your money. There is a fear of not getting investors. There is a fear of not getting enough ROI, return on investment initially. So I think sometimes it's also about game of patience um, and also you know, structuring your idea in a way that you understand what your idea is, what your target segment is. And that's why we talk about this lean canvas model initially so that you develop your business lean canvas model. You understand, okay, what's my customer segment? What's the key activities I'm going to do? What's the revenue streams that I'm going to get the money from? Um, you know, what, who is going to be my business partner or who is going to be partnering with me in that business? So understanding those key elements. So why not touch base upon the importance of developing the lean canvas, Shyam? Yeah. So Lean Canvas is an entire method and um, like you have to be really smart about starting something. 
the lean startup methodology is entirely based upon the experience of like thousands of different um, startups um, and, and thousands of different um, entrepreneurs. And um, in the book that is written by Eric Ries, he talks about how to um, dwell upon those um, uh, experiences um, and how to learn from those. So um, I think, yes, it is really critical in this world to um, adopt from those learnings or, or learn from those learnings and not really make those mistakes. Um, one of the statistics is that um, according to um, some of the studies that were conducted by Harvard School on, on startups, 75% of the startups um, fail. Um, but if you are working through lean startup methodology, that percentage is, uh, it, it comes down drastically. Um, and the chances of a startup failing, which has been working on lean me method, um, is less uh, is way lesser than anyone who's not adopting that. So I, I would definitely say that it's a very sound method. Now, what is um, lean method? It tells you to not really waste your time on developing detailed business plans, because as Mike Tyson puts it, everyone has a plan until they get punched in their face. And um, like I have heard so many business coaches talk about this, that your plan, no matter how sound this is and how much you have put in um, in terms of years um, in planning, it is not going to survive the first customer contact. Um, so it's always better. And the lean method suggests that we should not be wasting our time in developing these detailed methods. There should be a very brief um, plan, which is called a lean canvas, which is a one pager. You should know where you're, uh, what is the problem that you're trying to address? What is it that you are developing as a solution? Um, who is going to be your target customer? Where are the revenue incomes, uh, revenue uh, going to be generated and all of that. But that's it in terms of planning. The next thing is that when you don't waste your time into these things, you actually develop a speed to market and you go engage with the customer who really matters. And you um, have a very, very unfinished or as Guy Kawasaki puts it, something cringeworthy um, that is that absolutely gives you cringes, makes you cringe it. Um, and, and you take it to the customer and you show it. Um, and the only point of that um, MVP or um, uh, as we call it, is that you have to convey what you're trying to do. It should be the most basic version of the solution that you're trying to make. And you take it to the customer and you say, okay, give me your feedback on this. How, what do you think about it? And they would be honest about it. And in our head, we think, okay, I don't know dancing. And if I dance on the street, people would say, what a moron, what is he doing? But the fact is that day before yesterday, I was out on the street and I was doing some moronic moves and everybody was just laughing seeing me. Nobody tried to embarrass me. I wasn't embarrassed. I had fun. They had fun. Everybody had fun. And that's the reality of the situation. In, in our minds, we think make things much worse than they really are. So when you take that MVP, a minimum viable product to a customer, they are going to give you an honest opinion, but it's not going to be horrific. They are not going to embarrass you. You are not going to be embarrassed. They are, you are going to learn a lot from that. So take that feedback, come back, work on it, develop something better 
take it back to the customer, maybe a different customer this time, talk to them, get their feedback, come back, do that. And you do that over and over and over. And until like the the, the lean method says that even if you're a billion dollar um, worth of uh, startup, you don't lose that learning and developing thing. And if you keep doing that, you are less likely to lose your investment because remember, you're not really putting in your time developing intricate plans and that are not going to work. Um, you're not developing a product that is not going to work because you're going to the customer in the first instance and seeking their opinion on it. So you are going to develop something that is already wanted by the uh, by the customer. And it is going to end up saving you lots of time, bring you mark, uh, speed to market, and third, save a lot of co- cost doing that. So that's how you do it. And that's how you make sure that you don't end up wasting whatever um, money you have. Very great Sayan, from you. One of the things that, you know, the basic structure that any new venture capitalist or any entrepreneur might look at is, I have got a fantastic idea in my mind running at the moment. And, you know, I have the basics of them in my mind, you know, again, but having a lean canvas really provides that structure to you that if you have a great idea and if you can put it in the structure that really provides you the sources of how you can get the money out of it. How can, you know, how much will it be costing you? What can be the different elements that will cost you? Because, you know, you and I have worked on different projects um, in the university, uh, different entrepreneurship projects, which really tell you that you might have an idea in your mind initially, but a lot of things you might miss out on if you don't put it out in a lean canvas structure. And I think that's very important. One of the key elements that I wanted to discuss with you, Shayan, is this key thing of unique value proposition. We talk about a unique value proposition in a lean canvas, and we know how much time you need to spend on that so that you can correctly identify as to what really differentiates you from your competitors. Because, you know, you might be running or you might be coming forward with an idea which is already there in the market. Now, what are you doing special in order to, you know, make your own value or Hmm. really matters in the market so that the customers which are already there with some other company will eventually want to come back to you or come to you to avail your services. So what do you have to say on that? Yeah, sure. Um, so first of all, um, I would like to bring this up, the, the word idea up. Um, I hear this a lot and people, whenever they hear about entrepreneurship or when they take a course around it, they think that, oh, idea is something really important. Idea is important, but it is just the first step and a very small one at that. Idea never made someone rich. Idea never made someone great. People have lots of ideas every day and they end up in their bed doing nothing about them. Um, About 20 people have the same idea at any given time and they are working on it at the same time. Um, And like 19 of them end up doing... uh, making no progress on that and only one normally does and and they end up making name for that so first of all let's burst the myth of idea if you have an idea good enough if you're not going to work on it it's going nowhere and it's not worth anything secondly 
people are afraid of sharing their ideas um, due to the fact that they might be taken by someone else. And that is why that is one of the fears that uh, new founders or new emerging entrepreneurs feel. And um, that, that is why they do not share their ideas on, on say, LinkedIn or, or on to their friends. Um, that is, again, a myth. Um, nobody can steal your idea because idea is not anything. Uh, as I said, it, it has no worth. So even if someone listens to your idea and takes it, they won't be able to execute it in the way that you have in your mind. Um, even if you give out the entire plan to someone, give your lean canvas to someone, they will still not be able to execute it in the way that you want to because of your skills, first of all. Secondly, the plan that you have in your mind and the capabilities that you have is something very unique to you. So you should be very, very comfortable. Uh, and, and this is one of the myths that has been like there for like such a long time. And everyone from Guy Kawasaki to um, Elon Musk and everyone, they want to bust this myth. Come out with your ideas, talk to everyone, get support. Um, and, and discuss what you need to do further uh, and, and make the best out of others' experiences. So let's bust this myth first. Then what you asked about the unique value proposition. I touched upon this um, slightly talking about the idea right now. Um, your unique value proposition is basically the unique way you are going to approach that problem. Um, and you have to materialize that. You have to build up on that. So uh, for, for instance, I am um, coming up with this startup with Cheyenne. I'm sure there are so many people who are working in the startup space, um, creating an enabling space for people who are coming up with new ideas and who want to be uh, an entrepreneur down the journey. Uh, what is it that I am bringing differently? Um, I'm, first of all, more than anyone else, this is a learning opportunity for me because I want to be an entrepreneur because I want to be a thought leader. And this is my way of learning from others, interacting with others in this journey. And while I do that, I would be able to share these experiences with others as well. Um, so one, secondly, I come from a very different background. Um, I come from Pakistan and, um, coming to this stage has been an entire journey for me. Um, today I bought a, um, Arsenal shirt and I was so happy about it because Arsenal is a club that I support and I was able to buy the first shirt in my life. I, I couldn't afford it before. Um, so it has been a huge journey for me and all those experiences that I have, um, growing up are coming into play now. I can inform everyone based on the experiences, the diverse experiences that I have, not only the cultural experiences, but the multi-industry experiences that I have. So there is my uh, unique value proposition. But in terms of like, if you're working on a particular product, uh, how you can find its unique value proposition is you have to engage with the customer again you have to do what is called a laddering interview technique. Um, you have to engage um, with the customer using the laddering interview technique or other techniques and find out what their values are. Secondly, you have to find out what the customer needs are that need to be addressed. So for example, if there is a mom um, who buys your service, she buys it in a context. She doesn't wake up any day and, and makes a decision to buy your product randomly. She 
must be in a state of mind she there must be a time attached to that she must be in a financial condition to make that decision and you have to find out like people worry about getting to know the age the gender the marital status um how much they are earning this is just a very generic knowledge about or a very superficial knowledge about your customer until and unless you know the context in which that purchase decision was made and what brought the customer towards you you cannot find your unique value proposition because a customer's journey towards that purchase decision is what informs you um and anyone who wants to really understand the unique value proposition um and how to define that in product category should look at what dollar shave club did in order to disrupt the shaving industry i would highly recommend everyone reading that case how dollar shaving club challenged gillette which had leadership over uh, or a hold over the shaving industry for such a long time yeah i think that's a good example and there are so many brilliant examples you know none of the companies were big companies initially you know they all started with one customer and then they grew to uh, you know thousands and then millions of customers that's how yeah. you see companies like uh, social media companies like facebook or you know whatsapp or instagram absolutely they, when they started when they came up with some idea they were they were not knowing whether they'll be successful or not but obviously they had predicted they had their own structures in mind and they predicted the future in the right way they understood the requirements of the customers and you know these platforms are so popular these days now related to that fact one of the another questions that i might pose to you is related to digital adoption mm-hmm. um, around the world we are seeing that a lot of new startups are coming up with some sort of technological element into them it can be ai it can be you know blockchain or forget about these uh, big terms they have some sort of digital technology even if you see the the platform where you have come today ultimate global podcast is being broadcasted through streamyard yeah um, you know we are we are also using different platforms like instagram facebook to publicize our news um so is it only possible for new companies or anybody who is thinking new to do it with technology and how important it is becoming now because i find that technology is playing a very major role in whichever business you go with because in the next 5 or 6 years it's just going to grow exponentially and there is no sign of decreasing it isn't it yeah so um let me take you back like a couple of decades ago where the customers mostly used to walk into different um shopping malls or or grocery stores um and big departmental stores and used to buy a lot of stuff but over the years we have seen a great transformation and now these uh, the the footfall in these um, shopping malls or or uh, departmental stores has decreased and that's an established fact anyone who wants to look at it um, can look at the foot traffic figures in walmart or costco or any of these um and you see on the other hand there is an increasing number of customers on your e-commerce platforms regardless of what platform they are um consolidated um, number is increasing right so a business has to go always 
where the customer is and that is the lean principle um as i just said you have to follow follow the um, customer and so it doesn't really make sense um for businesses in this age to not follow the digital trajectory um i remember that we were having this conversation with the unsw employability in a focus group today earlier um and they mentioned something they, they posed a question to us where do you think the employment industry would be in 40 years from now and everybody said something about technology like teams would be much more diverse and and um spread around the world because of the digital connectivity that it would offer um and the, the economy would be much more gig based than it is right now big companies would not be there um so you see that technology is a big big disruptor and you just cannot deny that and in order to um like grow exponentially in a, in a short span of time the only strategy that you can have right now um, that can guarantee such a such fast growth is through technology if you are not good at technology then you have to get someone who is good at technology um we are in living in a period where most of us have the basic technology skills and that should be good enough when you're launching something and um for example um can i ask you when you were not really running this podcast did you know about streamyard or um any of the technological stuff how did it work um what you would have to do so i was bringing uh, in 5 months of experience of running a student podcast into this experience so i had researched a lot of things which goes into the back end or what really makes it successful but streamyard was something new to me and streamyard was something which i tried here for the first time and you know i went wrong in the first one week there were few technical glitches few things which went wrong then i relearned from that and i came back and corrected uh, my path and you know that's how happy when whenever you are trying something new mistakes happen but um even for our professors who are new to like digital learning and online learning thing they make so many mistakes when they are trying to deliver a lecture on zoom or blackboard collaborate whatever um and that is very natural so um i would say that given the basic level of technology um tech- technical skills that we have we are very well placed to like learn from that and um get to know any tools that might come in handy and if someone is not in that position i i remember that there are um certain um what you can say marginalized categories or or um communities especially in our country um especially in in the rural areas of our country um who might not have access to such technology and therefore they might not be um very well versed in using these technologies so they are definitely at a disadvantage and therefore you see very focused efforts on building up technology i was um in a huge project part of a huge project where we were trying to build um like a freelancing system for um rural communities in pakistan and and trying to bring them into that digital um economy so yeah um definitely concerted efforts need to be put there but there is no escaping from from digital absolutely and digital is something which most of the companies or anybody who is thinking of beginning his own venture his or her own venture 
needs to think about that before they think of any idea they need to think how can they bring in the digital you know element into their idea another thing i just attended a lecture as i just told you um in which there was an interesting question i thought of bringing that question into the picture here as well and i thought that it can be a question for a lot of people who must be listening to us as to how can they find a co-founder it seems to be a very childish question but i i must say that it's a very difficult question to answer because how to find a person whom you can relate with in the same way as you do the things um i know that finding a person who has the same values or who has the same kind of principles as you while you are starting off something is difficult but it's so important also if you find somebody uh, who is doing something similar to what you are doing or he has uh, plans of doing something similar to you it can be of great help because great projects really built by coming together not by working alone isn't it absolutely yeah um look when you're a founder or a ceo of a company even if you your company has just one customer right now you have to think of it as like a ceo of microsoft or apple you have to be just as strategic right um so if steve jobs or or if um um who uh, satya nadella or anyone of these big ceos if they were picking out a coo for working alongside what would they do they would not look at their immediate family or friends just because they are the most convenient sample that you have and pick out any one of them to join the forces with them no they would be very strategic about them they would first of all look at what their company needs so that's the first thing first thing does your company need someone who has financial skills does your company need someone who has technical skills then you have to look at what you are capable of doing so i am a founder and my area of expertise is business side of things so for example growth um strategy um for example marketing um for example uh, sales these are the th- areas that i can take care of and that i can excel in um given that i i put my best efforts into it but if i try to do financial stuff i would not be as good at it no matter how i tried uh, it would take me a very long time and time is not the luxury that startups have if you want to excel at a quick pace so um once you know what you are capable of and once you know the needs of the startup then you would start looking at people who can address those needs that that are there for your startup immediately and um these needs would then be complementary for you so for example if you like me are a marketing person or a sales person then finding someone who's from finance background or a technology background would actually make a team that is complementing each other um and adds to the skill set and therefore you would be able to address much wider array of problems going forward however if i look into my social circle i would have mostly people who are from the same degree background they have learned the same skills and um they have very complementary skills to me and if i add them as a co-founder they would not be able to address a lot of like a wider range of problems that i would have going forward so that that would not be a good strategy that's true 
I think um, also we can also look at the other side of the coin, Shyan. Uh, it's it's also about um, what can you outsource and what can't you outsource. There might be some great minds coming together, mm-hmm. but then you know it depends on what kind of financials you have at that time, what kind of things you are looking to get funded in your projects, and what can you outsource. You know, this was mm-hmm. my another question that you have collated everything now. We have the business canvas. Uh, model ready with in front of us now the next thing i'm looking at is i have created a list of tasks for myself in this idea what can i outsource out of this and what can i retain within my own team that is yeah. another critical question for teams to answer because we are completely confused at most of the uh, times that um, you know we have got it we have got hr we have got marketing now, I think I can do everything, but if I end up doing everything, we would not be able to focus on the business growth. So it's better to outsource. But when you try to outsource, there is another big thing coming into picture is financials. If you try to hire somebody, it will cost you something, right? So how do you manage that trade-off between what to outsource, what not to outsource? Okay, so if you're thinking about outsourcing or you're at that stage, um, first of all, congratulations, because you have got some customers. That is why you are probably looking to outsource things. Um, And that is a good news. Um, It normally comes at a stage where you are like, you already have a few customers and you're selling products or you're selling services and therefore uh, you are at a growth stage now. And if you're at that stage, then I would suggest having that same mindset that I talked about in selecting your co-founder. First of all, you have to strategize and look at what are the key strengths that you and your founding team has. Um, What is it that you are very good at? Um, These would become your core competencies. Um, So keep those core core competencies with you. And anything that does not fall in that core competency would go out towards outsourcing. And um, there there can be two alternatives. First of all, if you want to do something in-house, you might hire resources for them um, who would always cost you something because you're hiring an additional hand who who can do that stuff. Um, So for example, let's take the um, example of of uh, of a company that provides offshore services to a company based in Australia. They are based in, um, in India somewhere um, and offering offshore services. So um, the the founding team, they were very good at marketing. So they developed different marketing, um, their marketing services, and that was going well. But now your customers start demanding some technical solutions as well. Mm-hmm. So you're trying to get more business out of them. And there are two ways of going now. Uh, you can either hire a technical team in-house or you can partner up with another business that is that excels at or their core competency is the technical side or offering technical help and you can offer them business for a commission or something um and you can give them business so first of all in every case there might not be a cost attached to it um, you can actually be making money. Like, for example, I know so many. I, I did this myself as well. Um, I was getting freelance business from Australia and from UK 
and i used to uh, outsources all, all outsource it all the time to different freelance writing people who were big junior than me so i had my higher rate i charged my customer at a much higher rate and i would just disperse it along l- like a bit lower uh, paid freelancers and i would make that difference keep that difference um, and that would be my profit so that's one way of doing it the other is the manufacturing industry where you might need to get the product manufactured from someone and in that case you will have to pay someone but again it's it's not an option for you to develop that uh, capacity in house because it might just cost you a lot more than what you would pay them for manufacturing it so yeah um, that that should not be that much of a like a difficult decision i think yep and i think it's very important at the early stages for people to also understand that it might not be easy for you to win the trust of your customer segment that you are targeting there might be times when you might feel dejected or you might feel that the the idea that you had or the assumption that you had went slightly wrong now one of uh, the statements which uh the co-founder of UGP says uh, George Mavros he says that you might have started by going towards the north pole of the site you had an idea aligned to the north pole but now you are thinking that your idea is probably not north it's aligned towards the northeast or the mm-hmm. northwest that's fine it's fine to deviate your idea slightly as and how you understand the updated requirements of your customers you should not be afraid of doing that because you might have an early assumption but those assumptions might prove to be right or wrong at a later stage and secondly i also want to talk about this thing of legal you know legal factor legal factor plays a very key role um in terms of understanding that nobody copies you as you just pointed out that even if somebody copies you it does not matter because i feel that even copying requires a brain only a person who has a brain can copy you otherwise they can't even copy you in the same way what you are doing or what you plan to do uh, so wanted to touch base upon shayan before we end today's session on the legal side of it what all do you think should a new business keep in mind because there are a lot of things uh, from a legal point of view as well that one needs to be secure of before mm. he starts thinking of expanding their business mm. okay so um anyone who wants to seek this advice should i think read the first or second chapter of guy kawasaki's book called um starting everything or starting anything i'm not sure of the title right now but it's a guy kawasaki's book um and i think um it 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 covers everything very very briefly but very comprehensively as well so he says basically if you are a startup and you want to keep your idea to yourself it's not at all recommended that you should hire a team of legal people um and get everything under your um copyrights or 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 that sort of thing yes if you have a huge investment coming in um and you can afford to pay for um like putting it in your name and and guarding it legally yes do that because you have the money but in case where most startups cannot even afford such a thing let's take two scenarios first of all you talk to someone they take your idea um you haven't registered it 
um, and you can't do anything about it, chances are your execution is very different to them. And you can both exist in the same market because you are executing the same thing with two different strategies and it's not the end of the world. Secondly, if you want to go to the court, you would require a huge amount of money to afford the corporate lawyers that are going to fight the case for you. Um, and, and, and if you want to register something or copyright something in your own name, you should know that ideas cannot be copyrighted right? <laughs> it's it's nothing that can be copyrighted. So it, it should be like directly a design or a code that you can put it and put in your name. Um, otherwise, you, you cannot have the rights over it. Um, so if someone is directly copying, so for example, um, like Apple's design or Apple's code is copied by someone, they can sue them because they can afford to. And secondly, it's a very... Um, defined thing that 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 is being copied but in general terms you you don't have that luxury so i would say for anyone who is just starting let's not even worry about these things there are so many other things to worry about um legal things are not um, apart from getting registered um as a company and and getting your um, ABN and everything that that obviously is a prerequisite for any company to exist. But apart from that, no, don't don't worry about the copyrights and and um, all other things like that right now. Maybe ten years down the lane or five years down the lane when you are a huge thing, maybe then, yeah. But not now. That's not the time. Absolutely, Shyan. And well, we'll have to conclude today's discussion, but. Definitely, if you have more questions for Shayan or myself, you can go to the comment section of this LinkedIn live video and just keep on posting your comments there. Either Shayan or myself, we will be happy to answer your questions there. And I also wish Shayan all the very best in the new venture, in the new initiative that he is going to do, because I'm sure that this is just one of the good initiatives that he has started and he's going to be starting many more initiatives in the coming years, which he, he has not even thought of. So wishing you all the very best in your future endeavors. And I'm sure that this session is specifically going to benefit a lot of people. Absolutely. Thank you for inviting me over. It was lovely being here. And to everyone who's watching or who's going to watch the recording, um, I would just say um, you have the name Startup with Cheyenne or just approach me on my LinkedIn, drop me a DM or drop a question in the questions. I would watch that space um, and, and I would love to answer any of the queries that come through. Thank you so much. And also, especially for people in Sydney, Ultimate Global Podcast is doing something special in the coming days. We are going to start with our own meetup groups where we will reach out to you in different, different public segments in Sydney. So if you want to catch up with us, have a discussion with us, we want to reach out to you through those um, you know, discussions because at UGP, we feel that every conversation can lead to a value and every value can lead to a tangible result. And we want to enter into more conversations not only through this platform, now since we are open in Sydney, we want to have that discussion inside a bar, inside a pub, and over a cup of uh, you know, coffee or over a glass of beer, we want to have that discussion which really matters to you and then bring you here at Ultimate Global Podcast. So hoping to see a lot of new faces in the coming days in this platform and hoping to see you, Cheyenne, again coming for maybe another discussion. Definitely. Thank you. Thank you so much. Have a great day, everyone. You too. Bye.